When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Newt. 2020 is going to be one of the most extraordinary election years of our lifetime. I want to invite you to join my inner circle as we discuss each twist and turn in the presidential race in my members-only inner circle club. You'll receive special flash briefings, online events, and members-only audio reports from me and my team. Here is a special offer for my podcast listeners. Join my inner circle today at newtsinnercircle.com slash podcast. And if you sign up for a one or two year membership, you'll get 10% off your membership price and a VIP fast pass to my live events. Join my inner circle today at newtsinnercircle.com slash podcast. Use the code podcast at checkout. Sign up today at newtsinnercircle.com slash podcast and use the code PODCAST. Hurry, this offer expires February 14th. On this episode of Newt's World, I really feel delighted both professionally and personally to have this chance to introduce to you my daughter, Jackie Gingrich Cushman. She's now written her third book, which I think is a really, really important book called Our Broken America, Why Both Sides Need to Stop Ranting and Start Listening. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in it. I'm so proud of how she has grown as a mother raising our two grandchildren and the process of both a professional and working and as a local citizen. So for me, it's both an honor, but a very, very distinct pleasure to welcome her as my guest.
Jackie, I am thrilled that you are here. Well, thank you so much, Dad. I really appreciate it. It's kind of fun, actually, to be here with you in person. I'm very excited because I think you have a pretty big deal coming out in September. I'm so excited about my new book, Our Broken America, why both sides need to stop ranting and start listening. Now, as you know, part of my career is made of ranting, so I had to read the book and sort of learn some new lessons. But tell me this. You've really put together, I think, a very profound book about how to actually get us out of the emotional gridlock we're in. How did you come to that understanding? Well, a couple of things. One, I have two children that are now, one's in college and one's in high school. And watching them grow up in the last two decades and then watching our political environment and then pulling those two items together in terms of how do you deal with a lot of conflict, how do you work in ways in which you can look forward and be optimistic, that's really what drove me to write this book, Our Broken America. We need to work together as a country, and to do that, we have to change how we're thinking and interacting with each other. Part of what you put in here, which I was very touched by, is what it was like to grow up as my daughter and to be in politics almost from the time you were born. What was that like to sit down and write that out and recount it for other people? It was hard, quite frankly. I mean, it's only, people always ask me, what's it like to be Newt Gingrich's daughter? And my response is always, that's who I am. So I don't know any other reality that's who I am as a person. But people have so many preconceived notions of what that means. And really, it was a very basic childhood. We lived in a small town. We went to church a lot. We went to high school football games. And then we campaigned a lot. But to me, it's really important to understand that so much of what we did as a family was about learning and working hard. I went back recently. I was looking at some pictures when you were like three or four years old of you and your sister. <laughs> and It's really kind of hard to imagine that that little kid grew up into you. To know you today where you're so outgoing, so confident, it's almost impossible to imagine how basically shy you were. I was the child that sat in the classroom at school and read a book during class. So <laughs> then I read a book during lunch. <laughs> but then again, we were the family that we would sit around and all four of us would read. I mean, that's what we did as our hobby. And quite frankly, I still read a lot today. It's part of what shaped who I am and, and how I think. So I think that reading is incredibly important. I remember watching your daughter, Maggie. At, uh, she, I think she was about nine at that point. And we were off somewhere and she brought like five books with her. <laughs> And you know her, and and, when I, and I still, I, I have to confess, I'm, I'm still the same way. Both of my children yeah. take books wherever they go. They're both voracious readers, like y'all did with Kathy and I. Our children started reading very early. We read to them for ages until they could read. And I remember one night, Robert was very young, and I was reading to him, and I think he was pretending to read, or maybe he was reading a little bit. But at some point, he goes, "Mommy, I don't really like to read. I just do it to make you happy." And I said, well, honey, that's okay. Keep doing it. Because now he does love to read. And reading is one of the best ways to learn. Your sister, who's just a couple years older than you, sort of provided a shadow. You could let her be the, the more aggressive, which people knowing the two of you now would never believe that you let her take the lead so much because I think you've grown into a neighbor, friend, civic worker, intellectual, professional businesswoman. If they'd seen you back then, and you really see it in some of those very early pictures, that you're sort of the younger daughter walking around near your big sister. The funny thing is, when we were younger, we looked so much alike. I, mean, I can remember one time, Mom showed me a picture. She's like, oh, look, you're so cute. And I looked in the back. I'm like, Mom, I wasn't even born yet. That's Kathy. So we did look, we did look <laughs> so much alike. 
And at one point, I think around maybe high school or maybe early college, we tried to pass for twins occasionally. But that was part of the, you know, kind of what shaped me. And quite frankly, you know, if push comes to shove, I'm still very happy to let Kathy take the lead. She's an incredible sister, very smart, very hardworking. And quite frankly, without her help, this book would not have gotten written. You used to talk much faster than you do now. And if you remember, your your defense was that your sister kept cutting you off. And if you didn't talk really fast, you couldn't get it out. In our family, you had four people that were very, very smart and all had opinions. I mean, you certainly have an opinion. I have an opinion. Kathy and Mom had an opinion. And, it, and if you didn't get it out quickly, you weren't going to have the opportunity. And I've tried to slow down my speech. I'm still a little too fast. And I think part of that is probably an underlying need to feel like you, that I get everything out rapidly. And I need to, I'm really focusing on trying to slow down and think more about my words and also allow people to absorb them as well. It's hard to talk slowly. At the risk of embarrassing you, I am going to bring up one example from your early childhood of your willfulness. <laughs> you go right ahead. I love this one. This is good. When I was a graduate student at Tulane, and I think you were probably two and a half. In a moment of idiocy, considering I didn't have any money as a graduate student and your mother was putting up with a lot, we decided we would go to the Pontchartrain Room, one of the best hotels in town, which was very famous serving mile-high pie as a dessert. Had very elegant sort of French food in the New Orleans tradition. And we got there and sat down, and we suddenly somehow intuited that they would not tolerate you making a scene. <laughs> and that therefore there was a very high value in paying you off. And you suddenly decided you wanted butter. Not crackers, butter. And you would put butter on the cracker and lick it off and then put more butter on the cracker. And every time we tried to convince you to quit doing it, you'd make just enough noise for the maitre d' to start drifting our way, and we'd give you more butter. I always thought it was an example that down deep underneath all your pleasantness, there's an enormous willpower. I've got to say, luckily I don't remember that, which I think is good. <laughs> but knowing my love for butter, I absolutely believe that story. I have no doubt about it. And the fact that you could take a small child into a very nice restaurant, I think it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did have a certain lack of, I think, common sense. <laughs> well, you probably thought you could take a book with me or something or let me look at pictures. But to your point, if there's butter nearby, and my bet is knowing that restaurant it was very good butter. It was probably French Normandy butter. It was very creamy, and I'm sure I enjoyed probably a pound or two. Well, you know, I wouldn't want to take you out to have cheap butter, even at that age. <laughs> Next, Jackie talks about what it was like to grow up as my daughter, and I reveal a few stories about her childhood as well. being very surprised when you told me years ago that very first time I lost, you had somebody at your school tell you how glad they were that I had lost. And you were pretty young at that point. It's kind of like, here you are the morning after, and this person's telling you how happy she is that you're miserable. Yeah, that did happen. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because now, I mean, decades later, people, when they hear that you're my father, First of all, they often don't believe me. I try to ask why I would make that up. And then I tell them, you know, look, look just like you if you look in my eyes, which I do. And then they always think, oh, well, he was Speaker of the House, and it was always wonderful, and it was always, and I'm like, it is wonderful, 
But there was a long period when I was young where, as you know, you ran, you know, twice and lost and finally won the third time. But, you know, now I'm kind of used to people being negative about certain things. But when you're very young, to have someone at the school come up to you the next morning and say, gosh, I'm glad your dad lost, quite frankly, it left me speechless because I don't know what one would say to that. But it also makes me realize how personally people take things and have forever and how they're focused on themselves versus other people. It was just an odd experience because I was a very quiet child growing up. And to have an administrator come up and tell me that was quite frankly, obviously decades later, I'm still talking about it, it was quite wounding. I'm often struck with how kind of unique your life has been just in the sense that very early on you got swept up in all this political stuff. And the whole process of what was really a very long odyssey from the time I first started running till we finally won control in 94. I'm, I'm curious from the standpoint of other people, when you, as you think about it, what are the kind of lessons or experiences that stand out in your mind from that long process and that really remarkable involvement in public life? People always talk about the 6th District like it's um, right next to Atlanta. The 6th District, when you ran in the 70s, was a very rural district, South Atlanta, west to Alabama, and down to Griffin. It was a big, huge district. Obviously, no social media, no Internet, any real TV at that time. So you weren't able to use TV. So we went out and we did hand-to-hand combat. So I like to think about we'd go to shopping centers, we'd go to gas stations that may have only, you know, two people there. But you figured out that if you let your daughters, who were very young and relatively cute, go up and ask people to hand them a brochure or to put on a bumper sticker, it was much more likely to happen. <laughs> so you figured out how to be successful at that. But we had a lot of fun. You know, we would be out on weekends. Um, Fourth of July's were a 14, 16-hour day. But that was just my, our lives growing up. When you look back on that, was that a growth experience, or was that – there must have been moments when you thought, really? Well, no, I mean, I think, you know, I was really – I mean, I was really young. Um, and so, you know, at that age, quite frankly, I enjoyed going out with you and campaigning with you. And then at some point, we invited our friends along to go with us before we stopped going at all. But to me, it was always interesting. You always learn something. I normally had a book with me in case you had to go into meetings with other people in the campaign staff. I had something to do. I slept in the back of the car sometimes. And I'm sure you remember, at one point, we actually had a newt for Congress on the top of our car, which was a little, it was a huge plywood sign with a campaign slogan put across it. And we would be all over the district with that newt for Congress sign. It was my life. So it's it's hard for me because people often say, what's it like being Newt Gingrich's daughter? And quite frankly, the only answer I can say is, that's all I've ever been. You know, I grew up in this environment. I grew up in politics. And in some ways, I can't imagine life without it. I really felt it was super important for people to understand that you're a great dad. You've been there for Kathy and I. I mean, I remember when you were speaker, I would call in and you'd stop and talk to me. You always made sure that you had time for us. And to me, that's always been really important. Next, Jackie describes the inspiration for her new book, Our Broken America. I was delighted when the first sponsor of Newt's World was Oxford Gold Group. I love entrepreneurial startups of people who are eager, willing to go out and do new and different things. And as a historian, I know that having a balanced portfolio is a very important thing. And they offer 
financial information and background information that I think uh, is very helpful. So whatever you decide to do in the end, I think you'll find the information they have is really worthwhile. And that's why I'm delighted to introduce you to the Oxford Gold Group. Most of us still remember what happened to our 401ks and IRAs back in 2008 during the financial crash. In a flash, millions of hardworking Americans lost more than half of their retirement and savings. Many of us still haven't recovered those losses, even as the stock market reached record highs. Did you know that while the stock market crashed, the price of gold and silver skyrocketed? In fact, investors who had the foresight to diversify a portion of their retirement and savings before the 2008 meltdown watched as the price of gold and silver went up over 300%. While millions of Americans lost their nest eggs in the stock market, many others were able to make gains most people had never seen before. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 1-833-327-9472 or visit oxfordgoldgroup.com slash newtsworld and request your free investor's guide. Investing in precious metals with the Oxford Gold Group is safe and secure. We tailor investment packages to suit any portfolio. Don't risk the future of your IRA, 401k, or savings on paper investments. Protect your retirement and savings with physical assets like gold and silver. Nobody knows when the next financial crisis will happen. Get prepared by talking to the Oxford Gold Group by calling 1-833-327-9472 or by visiting oxfordgoldgroup.com slash newtsworld. Financial security is just a phone call away. I think the thing that I most liked about the way you wrote your new book, Our Broken America, is that you weave together the sort of personal life with the bigger issues. So you you don't get sucked up into some rarefied environment that has no relationship to how life is actually lived. What led you to write this particular book? I've watched my friends, I've watched our family, I've watched our community basically either ignore a lot of discussions about politics because they don't want to get involved because it's so polarizing and so personal, or I've watched people say things that are so polarizing and judge people so personally that I really thought this is not the way, this is not the way we reach solutions. I mean, it's not the way you reach solutions in families. It's not the way you reach solutions in communities. It's certainly not the way you reach solutions as a country. And, you know, back to your point about kind of weaving everything together, that's really what life's about. How do we take disparate parts of our lives and weave them together in a way that makes sense? And that's really what's driving me to, to write this book. I really feel that we're at a really important part in our country where we have to stop focusing on grievances and really focus on gratitude. I mean, we are so blessed to live in this country. And when we change our perspective and look at it from the perspective of gratitude and we think about how can we work together to create real solutions, I think we can make real progress. But it can't be done at the national level. It has to be done in the community. Was there a moment when suddenly it hit you that this was a message you really wanted to spend time on, both for yourself and for your country? Well, it really happened, I think, over the last two years, watching all of the media has gotten so frothy. It's not news anymore. It's just the latest thing they can talk about. I don't watch news anymore because it's so outlandish. And so to me, it's really important. I mean, my children are, I've got one that's going to be a sophomore in college. I have one that's a senior. 
in high school. And I'm quite frankly concerned about what their future looks like. And on the opposite side, I have this incredible gratefulness for being involved with my community. As you know, my husband Jimmy and his family have been deeply involved for generations. And so Jimmy and I are also very deeply committed and involved. And I've gotten such reward from being involved in the community. I've also seen the results it's had. And so if you put those two things together, how are you concerned about national politics and the current ranting and raving? And then how great it is to be involved in the progress that can be made. To me, it was really important to really write about how can we do better as a nation. And we don't do better as a nation by blaming each other and by sharing our grievances. How we do better as a nation is really working together and making progress. And it's really hard because to do that, you have to kind of set aside your preconceived notions about other people and to really focus on one issue and to make progress there. It's really worth it, and that's the only way you actually move forward. Doing a book that is as important and as thoughtful as Our Broken America is a real project. How did you find the time, and how did you discipline yourself to do that? You're right. It is a real project. When people buy the book and read it, they'll notice that I have pages and pages and pages and pages of footnotes because I did a ton of research for this book. It was very important for me that not that just I wrote about it, but that I actually had information and statistics and other people's ideas and trying to synthesize kind of what's out there currently. So with a lot of research, I did a lot of it early in the morning or late at night, or I don't know if you've had this experience. When I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning for two hours, I might write then. But you just have to sit down and do it. This is the first time that I put together a full-length book, and quite frankly, it was a huge challenge. And there were quite a few times in there where I was a little concerned about, A, where it was going, and B, where it would end up. I can tell you that it wouldn't have been possible without my sister Kathy, who was a constant cheerleader for me, and without Tom Watkins, who helped edit my work. He just did an incredible job. And of course, Kate at Center Street, Kate Hartson, did a great job. It's a long process. And I've got to say, I'm actually quite happy with how it turned out, which you never know when you start a project how it's going to end up. You'll have a knack of taking psychological information and psychological insights and then applying to our national political dialogue, in a sense, kind of treating the country like a giant person and weaving together things that are totally outside of the kind of traditional think tank segmentation. So as opposed to a series of verticals, you somehow are able to horizontally reach across and pick up insights and ideas from a wide range of sources. How do you find all these sources? I'm a voracious reader. I love to learn. So, you know, I mean, I have an MBA in finance. I have a CFA. I worked in financial operations. I'm involved with four different nonprofits in Atlanta. I write columns. So to your point, I have a lot. It's a very broad area. And I'm very interested in all sorts of things. Anything from I actually quote from the CFA website in the book to looking at statistics about child development. Since I have kids, and really my first role is wife and mother, I spend a lot of time doing that. I spend a lot of time thinking about that. I spend a lot of time with my children and my husband trying to think about how can we be a better family. And um, I think all those things make me very curious. And to your point about, you know, looking at our nation as a big, like it's this, this big family or this big, you know, personal dynamic, is we really, if you think about it, you know, we, we're really careful, or most parents are really careful about how we talk to children because we all know that if you tell a children, or even if you're a teacher, if you tell a child all the time they're terrible, 
it's very likely that that child will end up that way. And so we think very carefully about how we frame things, about how we talk about children, about talking about their future is bright, if they work hard, they'll do well, et cetera, et cetera. But think about how we talk about our nation right now. And that's really kind of what's driving this vision for this book, is we're so, we hear so many negative things about our nation today, and that's quite frankly a challenge for us. And I think we really need to change our national dialogue. Yes, we have problems. I'm not saying we don't have problems. But we really need to focus on the things that are so exceptional about our nation, how grateful we are, and then figure out from there, from a strength of positivity and optimism and belief in the future, from there we can make real progress. But if we're constantly beating ourselves up as a nation, it's no wonder that we don't make much progress. So in a sense, you try to heal the country the same way as if you were a parent the way we move forward best in America is when we have, have a leader or someone that can inspire us to be better, to do better, to reach out. And that's what we need today. We don't need leaders that talk about how horrible we are. I mean, that makes us all want to go in our closets and not come out. We need people that, that talk about how great we are and about together what progress we can make. That's where our country really is the best and does the best, and that's what I'm really reaching for in this book. Well, listen, I'm, I'm really proud of your new book, Our Broken America why both sides need to stop ranting and start listening. And I just want to tell everybody that it's available for pre-order now. Thank you to my guest, Jackie Gingrich Cushman. You can read an excerpt of her new book, Our Broken America, Why Both Sides Need to Stop Ranting and Start Listening, by visiting our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Westwood One. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our editor is Robert Borowski, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. Our guest booker is Grace Davis. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. The music was composed by Joey Salvia. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360 and Westwood One's John Wardock and Robert Mathers. Please email me with your comments at newt at newtsworld.com. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, we are fighting a new war with an invisible front line and an indiscernible enemy. This is America's secret cyber war, and we've been fighting it since the dawn of the Internet. My guest, Chris Gore. If you are a corporate executive, there's an entire trend of this whale fishing where people will go in and grab your information. It's a whole scam that's been going around for a couple of years. Targeting often happens at home, so if they can go after your Gmail or your home router, they're going to do that. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.